Well, greetings, beloved. It's good to be with you. Uh, I, uh, yesterday in the middle of the day, I, I sneezed. It's kind of a weird way to start a sermon, right? Um, and, and when I sneezed, uh, I, I had not experienced the term vertigo before, where everything kind of starts doing like this. And, and, and I was like, uh-oh, I'm next to go out, apparently. And so um, I was a little worried we were going to look like FSU's football situation, uh, but <laughs> sorry. Patrick Conrad did not ask me to make that joke, but uh, it stands no matter what. <laughs> Good to be with you guys today. Um, uh, if, if, if I was going to poll each person today and kind of ask you, you know, why are you here today? Um, you know, we can probably guess some of the answers that would come up. Uh, we'd probably have a variety, but that some would simply say things like, I'm here to worship, right? That, that probably would make sense with the room. Um, some of you might say, uh, you know, I, I've got a drug problem, that's why I'm here. And, and, the, and the drug problem is this, that my mom, maybe my wife, maybe my spouse, uh, drug me to church. <laughs> they uh, grabbed me by the back of the head and said, you're coming with me today. <laughs> Don't be pointing at your spouse, okay? <laughs> I'm hoping you drug her, right? No, I'm just kidding. Um, and seriously, though, like on the other side, some of you maybe have a hang-up or a habit, and that's why you're here today. Uh, you're coming today to try to get some hope uh, for your situation, and that's okay. Um, maybe others would say, I'm at a rough season of life. I'm dealing with marriage things, loneliness, um, finances, uh, and I thought I'd just give this a try, you know, and try to dive deep into here. Um, lastly, maybe some other people would say, you know, Aaron, I've been coming to church for 60 or 70 years. It's what I do. Uh, in fact, Unless it snows, I think that's probably your line here in Florida, right? Uh, I'll be here, right? Uh, no matter what, uh, I'm going to be here. Um, what I love about the text that we're going to look at today, um, you know, people come in with a variety of reasons for being here today, but the scripture today is going to function to help align our hearts into the reason why I believe that we should be here today. And so as we dive into the text today, I hope that is what happens in our room, that our affections are aligned today uh, around why we should be here. And lastly, before we get to our text, I want to take a few seconds. Uh, we're going to be looking at a passage in John 6, uh, 22 through 40. And uh, we're kind of dropping in the middle of a story that Pastor Conrad glanced last week uh, when he was talking about the bread. So I thought we would just continue that subject uh, today. Um, and so I need to pull you into context just a little bit. Um, it, what's happened at this point in John 6 is Jesus has fed the 5,000. You guys may remember that story, right? A miracle. Uh, 5,000 men, more women and children on top of that. Uh, after that feeding, uh, his disciples uh, get in a boat, and they go to selling. And Jesus goes up to a mountain, uh, possibly Mount Arable. I think I've got a picture of this. Let's see if this will work here. Maybe, maybe not. There we go. Uh, maybe a mountain like this, uh, Mount Arable. Uh, and he goes up there to relax. That's a good place to relax, by the way, going up to the mountain. And uh, what happens is his disciples get in a boat, and they're down here at Tiberias, and uh, they go up to Capernaum. And um, they, the people that had just observed the miracle noticed that Jesus did not get on the boat, so they're trying to find him. And they're like, obviously, he's still in Tiberias somewhere, right? And uh, they find out later on that that's not where he's at. So that kind of gives you a context. We actually know from the back end of the story that Jesus walked on the water, right, when the sea got turbulent. So that'll kind of help catch us up as on context. Uh, and that's where we'll pick up today. Uh, let's, if you're able to, let's stand in honor of reading God's word. And uh, Mr. Ben Ald's going to come up today, and he's going to help us by reading the scripture. Thanks. I won't. 
Good, cool. If you have your Bibles, turn to the Gospel according to St. John, chapter 6, verse 22. Let's read. On the next day, the crowd that remained on the other side of the sea saw that there had been only one boat there, and that Jesus had not entered the boat with his disciples, but that his disciples had gone away alone. Other boats from Tiberias came near the place where they had eaten the bread after the Lord had given thanks. So when the crowd saw that Jesus was not there, nor his disciples, they themselves got into the boats and went to Capernaum seeking Jesus. When they found him on the other side of the sea, they said to him, Rabbi, when did you come here? Jesus answered them, Truly, truly, I say to you, you are seeking me, not because you saw signs, but because you ate your fill of the loaves. Do not work for the food that perishes, but for the food that endures to eternal life, which the Son of Man will give to you. For on him God the Father has set his seal. Then they said to him, What must we do to be doing the works of God? Jesus answered them, This is the works of God, that you believe in him who he has sent. So they said to him, Then what sign do you do, that we may see and believe you? What work do you perform? Our fathers ate the manna in the wilderness, as it is written. He gave them bread from heaven to eat. Jesus then said to them, Truly, truly, I say to you, it was not Moses who gave you the bread from heaven, but my father. He gives you the true bread from heaven. For the bread of God is he who comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. They said to him, Sir, give us this bread always. Jesus said to them, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me shall not hunger, and whoever believes in me shall not thirst. But I said to you that you have, not, you have seen me and yet do not believe. All that the Father gives me will come to me, and whoever comes to me I will never cast out. For I have come down from heaven not to do my own will, but the will of him who sent me. And this is the will of him who sent me, that I should lose nothing of all that he has given me, but raise it up on the last day. For this is the will of my Father, that everyone who looks on the Son and believes in him should have eternal life, and I will raise him on the last day. <clears throat> let's, let's pray. Heavenly, most high God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, we come before your throne humbled by who you are and all that you've done for us, Lord. This is your word, and your word is truth, and we ask that um, you would incline our hearts to listen to it that you would engage our minds and prick our hearts so that we hear and we understand. I pray that you would be with Pastor Aaron as he preaches, and I pray that through the preaching you would be glorified and the teaching we would be edified. Thank you for your kindness and goodness to us, Lord, and in your hallowed name we pray. Amen. 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 Thank you, man. Appreciate it. Feel free to grab a seat. Thank you, Ben. Appreciate it. John six twenty two. on the next day... The crowd that remained on the other side of the sea saw that there had been only one boat there and that Jesus had not entered the boat with his disciples, but that his disciples had gone away alone. Other boats from Tiberias came near the place where they had eaten the bread after the Lord had given thanks. So when the crowd saw that Jesus was not there, nor his disciples, they themselves got onto the boats and went to Capernaum seeking Jesus. You know, this is the crowd that had just experienced the miracle of the feeding of the 5,000 that Jesus had done. Uh, they're somewhat confused, as you can imagine. Uh, they saw Jesus on one side of the, the sea there, and then uh, he's gone. They had seen the disciples leave on the boats, and uh, they're trying to find out where Jesus is. Um, the crowd, it's interesting. So, so some boats come up, and they hop on those boats. We know where his disciples went. They went to the other side of the sea. So let's all together, it'd be like all of us here, right? Just kind of hopping on a boat and saying, let's see where Jesus went. He must have went this way. That's the way his disciples went. 
Well, they find him in, in kind of a peculiar place, and they find him on the other side of the sea. And they're trying to process this, uh, John 6, 25. When they found him on the other side of the sea, they said to him, Rabbi, when did you come here? You think about this. You know, they found the disciples, so they figured Jesus would probably be with his disciples, right? Even though their stomachs were still full of experiencing the miracle of the feeding of the 5,000, they're still confused about how did you get from here to there without a boat? Yeah, it seems a little crazy, right? Because you're like, you just witnessed a miracle. Obviously, this man is unique. But for them, they're, they're still back in the temporary, right? In, the, in the, the kind of carnal things of life. They're like, how do you get from one location to the next? And, and the, the point I wanted to kind of hit on for just a second is we need to acknowledge that Jesus, yes, is fully man, but he's also fully God, right? We can't deny that. Those that would deny that are in heresy. Uh, and we see this in a few ways, I noticed, in the scriptures as I was studying uh, this weekend. Um, he forgives sins. Who can forgive sins? God. Obviously, there's him stating his deity by forgiving sins. We also Jesus see Jesus do this. Lazarus, come out. What does he have the power over? Death. Do we? No, we don't. How about this? If he tells the sea to be still, it listens. How about you? <laughs> Is that working out? The day you want to go out fishing, of course, the day the weather is terrible, right? We don't have controls like that. And so here's what I need you to understand about this first part of this text. Is Jesus is not just fully man. He is also fully God. Amen? We need to affirm that in our hearts. And another thing that I love about Jesus being fully God is that he's able to look through their actions into their hearts. Something I can't do. You know, we can try, right? But to actually look through the, the actions of a person to the heart and why they do a certain thing. And that's exactly what happens next. They ask him where you're at. And in John 6, 26, Jesus answered them, Truly, truly, I say to you, you are seeking me, not because you saw signs, but because you ate your fill of the loaves. Do not work for food that perishes, but for food that endures to eternal life, which the Son of Man will give you, for on him God the Father has set his seal. I just want to camp here for just a moment. What does Jesus say, say about the people who are coming to him? Why are they doing it? And the reason why is because they did what? They got fed. Yeah, they ate their fill of the loaves. And, um, you know, I don't know exactly what it would take to get 5,000 people plus on boats and Take them across the sea. I haven't stood on the Sea of Galilee and looked out among it. Some of you guys have done that. But, but it's a lot of effort, right? And why, according to Jesus, are they doing that? Want more bread, right? Give me more bread. Um, they came for that reason. But Jesus turns it, right? He says, I've got something greater than perishable food that's available to you. He states that there is food that endures to eternal life. And we'll discuss that more in a few moments, the bread of heaven come down. But for now, just to say this, what's he offering them? Himself. Himself. Eternal life is the byproduct, right? 
but himself. He is the bread of God come down from heaven. The seal is upon him. Amen. Amen. And quick side note real quick, because uh, I know we've got some younger men here. Please don't do this. I've, I've had this discussion once in the past with somebody. Uh, they read the first three words of, of verse 27. What are those first three words? Aaron, it's in the Bible. I don't have to work. I should be preoccupied with more spiritual things. Come on, young men. Please don't be those people that read small sections of the scripture and develop full theologies based upon that, okay? Um, if you don't think you have to work, just go read 1 Timothy 5, 8 and come back to me and we'll talk about it, okay? Uh, it's kind of a side note, but, but what Jesus is simply saying here is in the labors of your hands, when you are working hard, don't just do the work for temporal things. You'll lose all significance if that's the case. Another quick side note. I don't know if you ever make this mistake, but I find it easy to do. Do you ever knock people that you read in the scripture when we're kind of looking from 30,000 feet down? Man, they're just going after physical bread. What in the world? I think that's easy to do reading scripture sometimes is that we don't put ourselves in the narrative, right? We kind of put ourselves above it. Beloved, uh, today, um, I feel like this could be the case for us, too, very easily. Do we seek God for himself to delight in him, to glorify and enjoy him forever? That's the, the first statement of the, the catechism. Uh, what is the chief end of man? What is your purpose today? And it is to glorify and enjoy the Lord forever is what it says. But do we seek the Lord for his benefits, finances, health, some marriage miracle that we need? See, I feel like while we can look at their story and they're just going after physical bread, we got to put ourselves in the story, too, and go, I could very easily be that person, right? Maybe some of us are that this morning. But I need you to be reminded of some things, okay? Does the Lord care about your needs? Yes. But the heart must first seek something different, and then he'll take care of the needs. Matthew 6, 31 through 33. Therefore, do not be anxious, saying, what shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? For the Gentiles, those who are far from God, seek after all these things. But your heavenly Father knows that you need them all. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. You guys see this? The heart that seeks after God, he'll take care of these things, right? The physical things, if you're preoccupied and the heart seems to be always engrossed in this discussion of how do I get this thing, how do I meet this end, your heart's on the wrong place, so therefore your finances are starting to resemble the heart, right? The Lord says, I'll take care of these things. But listen, first, your priority, the essence of what Greg should be about is seeking the kingdom of God. That, Lord, you are the desire of my heart. And God, at that point, you'll align everything else. Because I would plead with you, this, this is a pretty easy illustration. What good is a full belly that tomorrow will be thrown into the grave? It is such a temporary thing to be worried about. Don't set our hearts on temporary when the eternal is available. Amen? That is what Jesus is telling the crowd here in John 6. Don't worry about food that perishes, but eternal things. Question for you, and I'm going to propose a hypothetical to you. 
Do you want Christ or just the benefits? And I'm going to throw you a hypothetical to help us think through this maybe a little deeper. Imagine for a second a life where you had every physical need met. Okay? Some of that's hard to even imagine. But no physical needs. Uh, you had every luxury you could imagine, whatever that is for you. Each person's got kind of unique things that you might enjoy. Cars, houses, spouses, whatever. Every earthly relationship is fully restored and great. No sickness. Patrick Conroy wouldn't have to be worried this morning. Would that be paradise for you? I mean, really think about this. Would that be enough? Because what was the one thing I left out there? Jesus. Jesus. See, I fear many would say yes. Man, if I had all that set up, I would be grand today. Man, because those are the things that are preoccupying all my thoughts and my affections and my drive. And yet, the truth is that if you had all those things and without Christ, um, really it's impossible because all those things have no meaning outside of Christ. Um, in fact, I would say this, that if we have Christ and we've lost health, wealth, friendships, but we still have Christ, we have everything we need. Uh, you know, I was scrolling around on social media uh, on Christmas, and, you know, people are unwrapping their trinkets. And I saw this video of this young girl, uh, and she's got cystic fibrosis, and she's sitting in the hospital as the machines are kind of like convulsing to help her be able to kind of process what she needs to process. And, and I, I brought the video with me. I want you to see this, okay? Uh, she's singing, Promise Keeper, Light in the Darkness, uh, You'll Never Leave Me. her. Amen. My friend, she doesn't have health. She obviously is in a hospital. She doesn't have wealth. But she's got something, doesn't she? Promise keeper, light in the darkest. That is who you are. Promise you, if she could get here today, she would have been here today. Amen. See, we can have all the things that this little girl doesn't have and be very poor. We can have nothing. All the things that we get in this life, all the trinkets, all the health, only has purpose in the fact that it brings glory to Christ, right? 1 Corinthians, is that 1031? Whether or not you eat, drink, whatever you do, do all to the glory of God. We, we can't take a drink or bite a bite if it's not done to the glory of God and have any significance. It's just temporary, right? It fills a belly that will soon be empty again. It has no value. But when we do it to honor Christ... It has much more value. He provides the value. You know, you think about it. Our most close earthly relationships, which would be probably the husband and wife, right? You realize those are not going to be there in eternity? They've served their purpose. They, in this world, show forth what Christ and his church is like, right? As the husband loves his wife, the wife loves the husband. But those are not going to have significance in eternity because they've already fulfilled their purpose. Be careful, beloved. 
placing all of your value on things that are temporary. You know, um, Patrick and his team do, do a great job um, vacuuming. But if I look really close, let me see if I can find it here. Come down. Sorry, Jesse, I'm moving. <laughs> I'm a Baptist. I don't know we don't move, okay? But there we go. That's one time. <laughs> I don't know if you can see this or not. Can you? You can't? That's good. There's a little green speck that's from those plants that I hope you guys all enjoy at home because they were a pain to take care of. <laughs> but there's a little speck here on my finger, okay? And if I was to wander all of us down, you know, we'll get in our cars and we'll drive down to the Atlantic Ocean. And I was to taste this speck and fling it off into the ocean. It did fly. That's good. That speck is like the life that you're living now. That ocean that I just flicked that into is like eternity. Don't waste all of your affections on the speck. Trying to make sure the speck is comfortable. Make sure the speck is all well taken care of. When there's an ocean of eternity staring right into your eyeballs. You get it, beloved? Here's a great quote from C.S. Lewis. God cannot give us a happiness and a peace apart from himself because it is not there. There is no such thing. You know, all of the things that we work for, material possessions, that we try our best to get, you know where they're going to be at tomorrow? On Facebook Marketplace. <laughs> and you'll have 30 people writing you stupid questions about it. They're worth nothing, my friends. What today we think is treasure will be knocked down to build a bigger house, right? These things are not what you were aimed for. You were designed for much higher things. Amen? Don't spend your life working for these lesser things. John 6, 28. Then they said to him, What must we do to be doing the works of God? And Jesus answered them, this is the work of God that you believe in him who he has sent. See, Jesus had just told them, do not work for food that perishes, but for food that endures for eternal life. And they go, okay, that's the work we need to be doing. What work is this? Do you see that they missed it? They missed it. They're just like the woman at the well who said, hey, this water that is eternal, that's a lot easier than pulling it out every single day. So how do I get this living water? For them, it was food, right? How do I get this uh, bread that continues coming? And what they're doing is they're missing what Jesus is talking about. He's elevated his discussion to eternal matters, and they're still talking about physical matters, right? What works do we have to do to get this eternal life that you're offering to us? And I love his answer. This is the work of God. Believe. Believe. That's what you need to do. Believe it. The work has been done by God. It's your job to believe it. The only thing that they could see was the temporal and not the eternal. They are thinking physical. Jesus is thinking spiritual. And I would say in one sense, the way the scripture presents them is they are blind. And I would say they're even blind to their blindness. 
And the only thing that can cure sin's blindness on a person is faith. Uh, the great Dr. Martin Lloyd-Jones, which I know some of you guys love dearly, uh, he's one of my uh, inspiring people as far as verse-by-verse teaching, which is the way I present the scripture. Uh, he said this, Faith enables the believing soul to treat the future as present and the invisible as seen. Let me run that through one more time. Faith enables the believing soul to treat the future as present and the invisible as seen. I, I just love this quote. They were only able to see the present, right? They felt the belly kind of growling, right? And they're looking for the next meal. But the offering is something that's invisible, that can only be attained by faith, right? The faith would take their blind souls and let them see that there are eternal matters that are far more significant than the next belly. See, the Lord awakens dead bones to this greater reality, Amen. Hebrews 11.6 says that without faith, it's impossible to please God. And this is what we're called to have, to have faith. Um, You may ask, how do we get faith? Well, Ephesians sums this up about as clear as I could imagine. Uh, Ephesians 2, 8 through 10. For by grace you have been saved through faith. This is not your own doing. It is a gift of God. Not the results of works. So that no one may boast, for we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. So by God's grace, we're saved through works. All right, just making sure. Keeping you loose, you know, I don't want you to uh, drift off on me, okay? We're not saved through works, right? No. Through what? Faith. We're saved to good works, right? There should be things that show up in your life. But we are saved by grace through faith. And see, if we get this order wrong, or if we get this equation wrong, we're going to be the goats in the story. You remember the goats? Lord, we did this. Lord, we did this. We took care of this. We did this thing. And the Lord said, I never don't know you. This is exactly what these people are in danger of doing when they say things like, um, what work must we do to believe him who is sent? See, and this is not just for them. This is for us today. This is the fitness that the Lord requires of us, that you feel your need of him. And that is a work of God. God turns on that heart that before was blind to it. And then all of a sudden you start feeling the weight of your sin. And you fight, man, there is something wrong with my life. Amen? Think back to when you first came to Christ. There was that contrition of the soul, right? That weightiness. It felt like there was a linebacker sitting on my chest, man. And there was nothing I could do about it. There was no escaping. There was no thing inside me that could fix myself. The Lord does that through his Holy Spirit. Do you feel the weight of your sin this morning? If you do, who has given that to you? It's God. It's God's work. Do you need to believe upon Christ? Do you think upon the fact that he's died for your sins, that he was buried and resurrected on the third day? If you're like, Aaron, I need to believe that. Who has done that work? God's work. To you this morning is the duty to repent and believe. God has done a lot of work. Amen? This is all that is required this morning. And here's the family secret. God's even been doing that work in your heart to believe and repent. 
Amen? Amen. You know, uh, I feel like belief shouldn't have been very hard for them. They just saw this little meal get multiplied, and all of a sudden 5,000 people are eating. I mean, and the Lord says, all I need out of you is to believe that the one who's come down is the Son of God. You would think, yeah, yeah, not only that, but you went across the water without a boat. I don't know what's going on, but I know for something for sure that you're not normal. And you would think that would be the case, right? Not so. So they said to him, what sign do you do that we may see and believe? What work do you perform? Our fathers ate the manna in the wilderness. As it is written, he gave them bread from heaven to eat. What do they say? Help me out. Give us a what? Give us a sign. You know, as I was reading through this passage, it reminded me of Hebrews 6, and I've got it here for you. It is impossible for those, this is Hebrews 6, 4, it is impossible for those in the case that have once been enlightened, who have tasted the heavenly gift and have shared in the Holy Spirit and have tasted the goodness of the word of God and the power of the age to come and then have fallen away to restore them again to repentance. Since they are crucifying once again the Son of God to their own harm and holding him up to contempt. I'll continue on in verse 7. For the land that has drunk the rain that often falls on it and produces a crop useful to those for whose sake it is cultivated receives a blessing from God. But if it bears thorns and thistles, it is worthless and near to being cursed, and its end is to be burned. It's a strong passage. Um, and literally the same thing. They were the ground that had been rained upon, right? They had experienced the feeding of the 5,000. I mean, if you think about this, the food that was a miracle is still in their bowels, right? I mean, they have experienced all they would need, and yet they go, give us another sign. And they're just like the people that the writer of Hebrews warned us about. They're people that have tasted the heavenly gift, not the bread. What did they really experience? They experienced Christ, God, walking on this earth. They literally got fed by him. They had seen the miracle, but like the land that had gotten water doused upon it and nothing comes up, it's worth nothing. Whew, it's a hard passage, right? The dry barrenness shows in them wanting to seek miracles. And I would say beloved, especially those who have been here for years at this church, don't be like these people. I mean, see, we have also tasted of the goodness of God, haven't we? I would dare say you have experienced more of the grace and goodness of God than the people who ate the 5,000. Because here's what you've got. You've got the work of the Holy Spirit they could even dream of seeing. Okay? How about this one? You have the word of God, which according to the authors, it's more sure than any ecstatic experiences that you could have. And you get to hear that week after week after week. Beloved, the goodness of God has drenched us, right? It's like a buffet, like Golden Corral. It's my favorite place to eat, by the way. Uh, <laughs> it just keeps coming out, right? 
I mean, it's like your life as an American, and particularly in Geneva, and particularly under Pastor Conrad, you have got to experience the goodness of God dripping down your chin every single week, right? How's the field? How's the field? Is the field worthless? Nothing coming up out of it? The Lord been pouring rain out upon your heart for a long, long time. What's coming up? There should be response, right? When Pastor Conrad gets up here and pleads, there should be response to the altar. We need somebody to volunteer to serve. Danger zone, right? We shouldn't be begging for children's workers. You've been richly fed. Amen? Amen. How's the fruit, beloved? If there's any passage that clearly takes about our kind of current state in America, I believe it's this. Give us another sign. And I'm glad the Lord's not like me. Maybe like you. I would have given him a sign. <laughs> you want a sign? Let me talking to my boys all of a sudden. <laughs> I'll give you a sign. <laughs> Fire! <laughs> right? Is that clear? Everyone half your friends. All right. The rest of us, are we good? <laughs> uh, the Lord's gracious. Amen. Thank goodness. Um, they want another sign. And Jesus spoke about these people uh, in Matthew 12, starting in verse 38 through 41. Then some of the scribes and Pharisees answered him, saying, Teacher, we wish to see a sign from you. But he answered them, An evil and adulterous generation seeks for a sign, but no sign will be given to you except the sign of the prophet Jonah. For just as Jonah was three days and three nights in the belly of the great fish, so will the Son of Man be three days and three nights in the heart of the earth. The men of Nineveh will rise up at the judgment with this generation and condemn it. For they repented at the preaching of Jonah, and behold, something greater than Jonah is here. Whew. Strong passage, right? You're not going to get a sign. Your sign was the Old Testament prophecies that were all pointing to this moment. Jonah was never about a fish. It was about me. That's what Christ is saying. Three days in, I'm out. That's every story in the Old Testament points to Christ. You may have to dig a little deeper in there, but that's what Christ is saying. Christ is saying every moment of prophecy is pointing to me, and I'm right in front of your face. I'm here looking you right in the eyes, and you're missing it. You know, they talked about the, the feeding of the bread, that we got this sign from Moses, the feeding of, with the bread, uh, the manna in the wilderness, right? What's your sign? I love what Jesus reminds them of. John six thirty two, And Jesus then said to them, Truly, truly, I say to you, it was not Moses who gave you bread from heaven, but my Father who gives you the true bread from heaven. For the bread of God is he who comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. They said to him, Sir, give us this bread always. Uh, just note the way Jesus changes the conversation, right? Um, he takes this and makes the conversation about the gospel and salvation and this God's centeredness of salvation. 
You know, we're quick to see the human elements in salvation of repentance and movement of the heart. But we must not ever forget that it is a work of God. Amen. Amen. We can't just conjure up the right things to make somebody come to Christ today. We are recklessly dependent upon the Holy Spirit to do that. They said, Moses gave us the bread in the wilderness. Christ goes, God did. Moses didn't open his mouth. I would have went down to the next person. If he wouldn't open his mouth, I would have went to the next person. It was a work of God. Even this morning, you know that God is doing radical things in Iran this morning? I mean, there's a movement going on in that country and other countries where uh, Muslim people are going to bed at night. And as they're sitting there in their dreams, they're seeing this vision of Christ standing over them in judgment and they're repenting the next morning and believing. I mean, God is out there doing it. Now, he tells us to go and we're going to go. Amen. But don't forget, God's doing a work this morning for his name's sake. Amen. Amen. Salvation, true salvation is a work of God. Ultimately. John 6, 35, as we kind of bring this to a wrap up, Jesus said to them, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me shall not hunger and whoever believes in me shall never thirst. But I said to you that you have seen me and yet do not believe. All the Father gives me will come to me and whoever comes to me, I will never cast out. Verse 38, for I have come down from heaven not to do my own will, but the will of him who sent me. And this is the will of him who sent me that I should lose nothing of all that he has given me, but raise it up on the last day. For this is the will of my Father, that everyone who looks on the Son and believes in him should have eternal life, and I will raise him up on the last day. Amen? Amen. Amen. This is the bread of life that was offered to them. Him, Christ himself. They had seen it, but they did not believe Their condemnation was sure because they said we want to see another sign. Christ is the sign. Amen. Christ is the bread. You know, down a few verses from this, he's going to say something very profound that we're not going to get to today. But he says, unless you eat of my flesh and drink of my blood, there will be no life in you. Eternal life is only found through me. In essence, the essence of what we must be about, what we love with all of our affections is Christ. The sustenance is not provided by the food at Culver's or where we go to Olive Garden, right? It's, it's Christ. And we'll put the morsels in our mouth, but we really are taking in Christ. Amen? That he's our all. I love what Christ says. If you come to him today, He will never cast you out. May not have been your experience all of your life. You may have been cast out by many people, maybe even people that should have held you dearly. Christ is not like them. It's one of the greatest struggles we have in America is that we have derelict fathers, and so we don't have a really good representation of what Christ is like in the family. The family was designed to have a, a strong male leadership, and we've lost that in our country, so therefore we have a real hard time having to file for a God. But he will not kick you out. He will not cast you away. He doesn't just leave somebody else to take care of you. The Lord says he will never do that. We should also know that if we are to remain in Christ, God has to do the work. You see this in the scripture? And what I loved about this passage, and I was trying to figure out how to explain it. This is a beautiful passage. 
It's like you have two lovers, okay? And, and they pass between the two of them, maybe some token, flowers or something, to show how much they love each other. The Father and the Son love each other dearly. And beloved, you know what we are? We're the token. You see it in here? The Father gives to the Son this statement of the people that he rises up faith within them. And then the response is that I will hold on to them dearly and none of them will get lost. You see that? It's like this love story between the father and the son, how dearly they love each other. And maybe fathers and sons don't give each other flowers, especially not in Geneva. Um, maybe it's a Leatherman, right? I don't know what you give each other. Some type of like statement of, hey, I love you, son. Um, we're the trinket. We're not the center of the story. Hope that's good for you. If it's not, I'm sorry. Uh, you're told you're most special. I'm sorry, you're not. The Lord is. Amen? And what I love is this, this passing back and forth. Man, take me, Father, and pass me to the Son. That's where I want to be. Amen? I love it. He says that I will also raise them up on the last day. Maranatha? Amen? Amen. All glory to God. And because of Christ, we will be raised on that last day. Uh, application, as we kind of bring this to a wrap. Don't put Pastor Conrad, I got you out this early, okay? <laughs> um, we're going to have a chance to respond today. We're going to sing a song called Almost Home. And as we kind of work through that, um, I got a couple points that maybe, obviously if the God's done a work in your heart that's separate, then respond to that, right? That's probably the more true work of God. Uh, but here's some things that we may need to think about this morning. Are we, when we come in here, are we seeking him for what he provides to us? Or just going after him? Are we just loving the Lord with all of our hearts, man? All of our affections. Lord, I know I got problems. <laughs> Finances, marriage, whatever it is. But Lord, I desire you with all of my heart. Lord, you don't give me anything. It's fine. I'm coming after you with everything I've got. Right? It's the story of the, of the, the Pharisee that said, I'm glad I'm not like this person. And the tax collector goes, beating his chest. I am wicked. I need nothing from you. I don't deserve anything. You see the difference in the two? One went away justified, the scripture says. So maybe today, as we walk into 2024, we need to reorientate that I'm just going to seek the Lord with all my heart. I'm going to pour out all of my affections for him, and I'm going to cash it all out for this cause. It's a diamond in the field that the person finds and sells everything to go buy it what Christ is. Point two maybe of application is this. Um, maybe you've got the works versus God thing out of balance. Um, maybe uh, you're thinking it's relying upon you for salvation. Maybe you're at the very first front end and you're like, I need to believe today that Christ died for my sins. I need to repent and place my faith in that. The Lord would say today to believe. That's your job today. Come, respond, believe that what Christ has done. That's what he would ask you to do, repent and believe. And the last point I, that kind of came to my mind as I was thinking about application on this is that uh, for salvation to be authentic, uh, it has to be a work of the Holy Spirit. And so maybe as we've been sharing our faith, we forgot the one crucial element, which is prayer. That Lord, if you don't bless what I'm getting ready to do, no matter how articulate I am, it's never going to do anything. And so Lord, as a church, in 2024, we need your spirit to move mighty on our behalf.
We are dependent upon you, Lord. So maybe that's the prayer this morning. So we come down to the congregation and we say, hey, Lord, do the work in our hearts today uh, to be dependent upon you. All right. If you were my teenage group, I would say any questions, but that might get awkward right now. So <laughs> we'll simply pray and uh, we'll sing a song. And as the Lord inclines you to respond, uh, we have John here. We have some of the deacons here. Uh, feel free to come up and pray with people as they come. Um, I can't, unfortunately, do both, but um, let's pray and we'll, we'll sing together. Father, thank you so much for this morning. And Lord, I trust that uh, you've done a work through the power of your Holy Spirit today. Uh, Lord, um, less preparation, more uh, leaning upon you today. So God, um, continue to work among your people. Um, bring their hearts nearer to you. In the mighty name of Jesus Christ, all God's people said,